Hello and welcome back to the Create Me podcast with your host, Ike Headlam. I hope you're all keeping well. So yeah, I've got something really kind of cool to share with you all. Um, Create Me podcast has partnered up with the Applied Arts Scotland team um, to present a series of special conversations about craft making, but also immersive technologies. Over the past couple of years, um, Applied Arts Scotland team have developed a project. Um, it's called The Distance Project. It's about digital immersive technologies and craft engagement. It's a multi-stage program that offers makers opportunities to collaborate and to share experiences and objects in new and exciting ways through immersive digital technologies. So yeah, today my guests on this first episode is the project management team um, that includes Carol Sinclair, Lynn Menny, Nettie Sopata and Steve Comer. had a really cool chat with them just to kind of like, you know, find out how the project kind of came to be in the development stages and also kind of what they've learned um, from, you know, developing this kind of project. So I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. And I'll catch you at the end. All right, see you soon. So yeah, we're back with an episode with um, Applied Arts Scotland and delving into the Distance Project. Um, today, my guests are Letty, Cal, Lynn and Steve. Um, they're kind of been on the project management side of the Distance Project. So how are you guys doing? Dude, yeah, yeah. excited to be here chatting. Likewise, yes. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to actually catching up with you all. But um, Lynn, Natty, and Carol, um, how did this kind of project kind of come about and start? Ooh. Well, we've been trying to remember this ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and we're hoping Carol and Steve have better memories than the rest of us. <laughs> but, you know, I think it was just, um, it was a lot to do with, lockdown and the fact that we you know we've been lucky at Applied Arts Scotland that we've been able to get out into the world and do amazing projects collaboratively in real time with real people in real places but suddenly lockdown meant that we were really all stuck indoors and what could we possibly do with um, immersive technology that would allow us to create meaningful exchanges um, never really replace being in a room with someone, but how could we, you know, was there something that immersive technology could offer us as craftspeople uh, used to, you know, making things with our hands and, and touching materials? Was there something that immersive technology could do to help us capture even just a bit of that? Um, and then somebody introduced us to Steve. And Steve is a, a, a magician and he can make that kind of stuff happen. He he knows how. So we got talking to Steve, didn't we, Steve? You did indeed. I think, um, yeah, I, I think we had some sort of mutual friends. It was through Helen at Applied Arts and we we'd applied for some different bid things that never got off the ground, unfortunately. But then this came along, this opportunity came along and it seemed a great mix. And, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was just fantastic to be able to work with a team that um, hadn't experienced that immersive technology before, you know, yeah. because working with my usual colleagues, we were kind of uh, used to that. And then it always had been working with clients and creating the content for clients. But having that... Uh, discussion about how you create, you know, how, how you can encourage and you can show makers to create their own content was, uh, 
was really eye-opening. And, and to see how virtual reality was just changing over this period that we started distance project. Because it's, it's evolving so fast as well. Oh, That's yeah, absolutely. It definitely is. I think I've definitely seen more stuff with um, VR and um, kind of like metaverse kind of conversations happening towards the end of last year. And I still kind of feel like I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to this. But um, Lynn and Nettie, how did you feel about coming into this kind of project? What are your thoughts? Did you feel like, okay, complete novices, but we'll give this a go? Or was there was there genuine kind of excitement to get involved in this project? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of excitement, but also a complete unknown entity of it. And I don't think it was until I actually put a set of the goggles on that I appreciated just how different the project was going to be. Because until then it had been on paper and we'd obviously talked about it and discussed about it, but because we didn't have that experience firsthand, then you just I just didn't have the appreciation of it. And I think that's one of the things we find with this, having introduced it to practitioners, is that they go into it having never tried it before, some of them. And then the results that we've seen along the way have just been mind-blowing. Um, yeah, that's... Okay, yeah, you. and that's it. We could, we could kind of imagine the potential for this project when we first started having these conversations. And, and I think actually some of them were driven by a desire to think more sustainably about practice in the long term as well. And how, how could we support practitioners to have... Um, kind of an international residency experience almost, but without the need to have to travel halfway across the world to do it. Um, so from a kind of a carbon footprint perspective, but also from a, I don't know, caring commitments perspective, perhaps not everyone can can take off for a couple of weeks or a month and yeah, leave everything yeah. else behind at home. So we were also thinking about it um, in terms of opening up opportunities to people who might not be able to engage with them otherwise. Um, and it was, as we say, really kind of a conceptual and and theoretical and we could see how it could work but actually what did it mean to put it into practice and as Nettie says you know until we got a hold of a set of goggles ourselves and put them on and, and had those moments in the space of, of absolute kind of joy to realise you could be in, a, in the same kind of virtual space and also the frustration of this is a completely new set of skills and how, how on earth do I coordinate my hands to work with these hand controllers to create objects in space and and having that experience for ourselves and then being able to kind of take that and translate that into opportunities for other makers to go through that really kind of a guided process where really Carol, Nettie and I were at most one step ahead of them and oftentimes a good few steps behind. But <laughs> 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 so kind of being there on that collective learning journey has been super amazing and definitely something we needed to see the input for us to be able to, to, to offer that to the making community. Can, can I just chip in with something I remember, actually, which yeah. um, was quite funny. One of the, the early discussions with Steve, he said that, you know, immersive technology allows you to break the rules so you can do things, you know, I... I I make pots. If I can make them without gravity, I can do something I've never, I would never be able to do in the real world. And I think there's definitely something about offering makers an opportunity to break the rules. Creative people yeah. love breaking rules. They love pushing boundaries and they love just trying something really new and exciting. And, and I think that's what we offered them. And I think that's what we found exciting about it as well. 
Yeah. So like, you know, um, Steve, for yourself, obviously, you know, the team kind of got in touch with you and I just kind of mm. want to kind of find out, explore a bit more about your thoughts about um, what are the kind of some of the challenges um, with kind of starting this project that you found, if any? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a whole new experience for me, you know, just wor- working with a team that, you know, ha- had no sort of tech background or knowledge. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, my my role at the time, I wasn't totally immersed in virtual reality. We'd created some projects. Um, but uh, as I said, the, the, the technology moves so fast as well. You really need to be on it kind of 24-7 just to, to keep up with the latest technology, whether that's new headsets or, or ways of engaging and immersing in, in spaces. Um, so it, it, it was fantastic to have this opportunity to, to work together with the team. And I think one thing I remember which is really telling is um, before we had the participants sorted out, you know, I, I sent headsets out to Nettilin and Carol um, for them to try some of the experiences and some of the tools that I was putting together. And, um, you know, thinking that what, once they've had a go, those headsets would be returned and we would pass them on to the the participants that were signing up. But those, those headsets were never returned. <laughs> <laughs> Worked into the project budget, I'd just like yes. to <laughs> <laughs> And and that's it. it. It's really once you kind of dip your toe into that world. Um, and it's such a diverse world as well, you know, because VR means a whole variety of different things. I mean, yeah. it can even just be sort of immersive films, 360 films. Uh, but if done really well, you know, you, you are sort of taken out of the environment that you're in and you're transported into these places. Um but certainly for the distance project, the things that we wanted to look at was the kind of creative tools. How can people, you know, uh, design in virtual reality? And is there a place for that in their workflow? Yeah, it's been absolutely um, kind of inspiring, really, for us to see how the makers have really thrown themselves into thinking about the ways that they can incorporate immersive technologies into the craft that and, and how they've shared information with each other and with us. The approaches that they've all taken have been hugely diverse. Um, and if anyone's interested in finding more about those, we will, there's a showcase event that will be recorded and available on the Applied Arts Scotland website to, to watch back later, where you can actually see the eight makers taking part and, and hear directly from them what they did and, and how they did it, okay. what worked well and what didn't. Um, and it has just been, I, th- I don't think we've finished a session yet where we haven't concluded by just thanking everyone for their real generosity of spirit in terms oh. of how they've approached the project, as well as how they've kind of shared information with each other and want to share it with the wider community as well. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the kind of thoughts I kind of have is like, you know, between the physical making space and the uh, online kind of immersive kind of creating spaces what do you think are some of the kind of opportunities some of the constraints that you guys have found in kind of developing this project (laughs) i'm just laughing because there's so many (laughs) 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 it's oh um i think one of the things i might be jumping back slightly from something that lynn said which just triggered something in my head sorry but 
one of the things that we found fundamental in this is the level of time that people have to put into it, not to, because it's a completely new skill set using the equipment, but also gaining confidence in using the software within it. So then when you're then asking them to visit how then they cross that tangibility barrier, I guess, and transfer that across, it's then another dimension to it. So I'm kind of talking around in circles, but I probably haven't answered your question at all. (laughs) I think it comes back back to that thing that Carol mentioned earlier about the... um, and we had a, we had a discussion last week about some of the, the pros and cons of this technology, and actually the kind of the the limitlessness of the technology, it was seen as its biggest advantage, and also yeah. by some folk its biggest disadvantage because there there weren't the same kind of constraints that you have with a hands-on practice. Um, so really, you could go anywhere with it, and sometimes when you can go anywhere. There are so many places that you can go that you can't narrow it down a little bit. And and then sometimes others would be thinking about trying to directly translate their making practice into the virtual space and finding that then to be too constrained because they weren't able to weave or knit or throw a pot. Um, so, so, yeah, there's there's been um, some really kind of quite big learnings along the way in terms of is achievable in terms of that um, kind of integration of immersive technology with a craft practice and a craft practice with immersive workflows. That's been really fascinating to to be a part of the team. That's really interesting. And Carol, for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I I was just thinking what, what Lynn was talking about there about the really practical ways in which people try to to sort of take their existing practice into a new world, a new realm, and come to to terms with what was possible and what was impossible, um, and then start to think about completely new things they've never even imagined before. So it it really does blow people's minds. (laughs) I mean, it just, it is so big and there's so much potential and it's really just trying to find your route through it. What is the thing that I can I can do next, and I can I can sort of pin some progress to? Because I, I think makers are all always up against time constraints of trying to do everything they already have to do. So introducing a whole new kind of technology into their world is 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 very time consuming, um, but has huge potential, huge potential. Um, and then then I think. For me personally, I, I also really wanted to see how the technology could could support collaboration. So that's been really interesting to, you know, again, when, when we were all in deepest lockdown and we were all used to Zoom calls and sort of seeing one another, but actually some of the makers reported that being in a virtual room with one another was even closer to, to really being in the same place. And that was really yeah. interesting that actually it, it it just gives a different level of experience for exchange and and conversation. And actually, I remember one early stage, Steve and I were in a, a room together testing some of the technology and just having the loveliest chat while we co-created this mad <laughs> garden of three-dimensionalness that was just bonkers. But it was just really, it was really interesting to to interact in a completely new way. So yeah. it's it's a lot to take in, but it's got there's just so much potential. 
I, do, do you know what? It's kind of like, you know, interesting, obviously, like with this project, you was able to kind of have like, you know, rooms where you can actually interact and like, and connect with each other. Obviously all legal and not like, you know, online, not like our current government, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Virtual meetups. Virtual parties. Yeah. 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 Hopefully it was socially distanced as well. So, um, but you know, like, but obviously you can, there, how you mentioned about kind of collaboration and from the kind of um, the project, have you seen um, participants actually connect to each other as they've been kind of projects developing out of this project in the physical or online space still? I mean, certainly it's still, you know, there's, they're still investigating the online possibilities together. But we've, you know, we've asked them to report back to us regularly on how their conversations are going. And, and one group of three have really focused on the, their materials and, and they physically exchange materials in the real world that they've then brought into their virtual world together. Um, and then another group of, of really concentrated on the, the sort of haptic sensations of making and, and what, you know, the new experience tells them about that. Um, there's also this mad um, interaction that's going on on WhatsApp at the moment. We've, cre- we've, we've joined everybody <laughs> on WhatsApp so that they can be in touch with each other. And I have to say, yeah. I don't, I pick up my phone and every time I do, there's like 90 messages on WhatsApp. Changing. They're like, hey, I can't do this. And they're giving each other instructions. And so I think, you know, it's, it feels like the ultimate form of collaboration where the whole group are giving each other support and advice. And it's, it's just remarkable. Yeah. That's really, it's really kind of good to kind of hear that as well, that obviously there's kind of like a where people kind of still maintain the contacts and kind of keeping things kind of ticking over as well. I think that's kind of like important when a kind of project gets kind of set up. There was a kind of like a follow through, but it seems like there's been like a natural transition of genuine kind of like team and group support around the kind of project. And like um, Steve, you know, um, for yourself, I touched on the kind of like the metaverse and, you know, by kind of being a complete novice in terms of actually kind of VR and immersive kind of technology. But it seems like probably over the past couple of years, I think, I guess it's always kind of been here. It's always been here with us for quite a while. I guess you've probably seen a massive growth in terms of actually different organizations, like different um, people wanting to actually learn about this, you know, technology. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I, th- I think the real interesting thing, we're at, we're at the cusp now where it's affordable. That had always been the problem before because, you know, the headsets were thousands of pounds. You needed high-end PCs to run these things. And um, because of that, you know, that barrier, um, it was mainly more sort of uh, academic, academia research, uh, training, or even, you know, sort of military that was kind of pushing these virtual reality worlds. Um the, the interesting thing is that the headset that we're using um, is owned by Facebook, who are now Meta. Um, the plus side of that is that it becomes affordable. You know, the, the headset that we're using is around £300, but obviously there's cons there because of people have major issues with privacy and... Um, Essentially, what you find is that the user becomes the product. You know, everything is advertised and tailored towards you. You know, in the VR world as we use it at the moment, um, there's not been any kind of pop-up adverts as such. 
But I do feel as we sort of move towards what's described as the metaverse, you know, you are going to get that. You're going to get this kind of tailored advertising that you see when you, you know, go on to the likes of Facebook or any kind of social media platform. Um, but, but the exciting thing is um, having that low entry point, it means that it's kind of opened up now. There's creators that can try different things. Um, and and it's, it's an exciting space, you know. Um, there's, you know, if, if you can imagine it, someone will try and create it. And, um, you know, as we touched on before, for me, it's the, it's the collaboration. It's the fact that you can you can share an experience or you can design and build a space with someone on the other side of the planet. You know, there's nothing stopping you being in a, a virtual environment with someone. And it does feel very different from like just a Zoom conversation because the fact that you're, you're working together collaboratively in a, in a 3D environment and, and building things, you know, it's, it's, it's quite, an, quite an experience to, to see. I was just going to say that, I mean, that's a direction we would like to take this project in as well. Clearly within the VR space, we're working with a much more visual language. Yes, you, you can speak to one another within the spaces, and we do speak to one another when we're in the shared spaces. But actually, um, a lot of the interactions are asynchronous. So perhaps somebody might go in and do something, leave it in the space, somebody else comes in afterwards. And the, the kind of interactions are around has been created rather than always being between the individuals and um, I'm actually just thinking about how we can capitalize on that for we talked earlier about supporting international residencies but having that opportunity to work with those visual languages without the need to be able to even talk the same language but still be co-creating and working together with the same tool set within the same spaces is a direction that we'd absolutely love to be thinking about next. That sounds really interesting, I think, in terms of like just how things are. I mean, there's still being in the uncertainty of a kind of global kind of pandemic. It's probably like the really kind of common sense way of moving forward. You know, like a couple of years ago, I didn't know what Zoom was, you know, <laughs> like, you know, but it's literally everything has moved so quickly and like this things seem to be so much more accessible. I, I, I kind of want to kind of, you know, touch on like with all of yourself, just kind of just reflecting on since the development of the project, how have you seen how that the, the distance projects influenced your own individual practices in any way? It has mine. I mean, I, I'm trying to get funding together just now for a project where I've been working with my own um, family history and bringing aspects of ancestry and genetics into weaving. So Steve and I have been having conversations about how we can kind of take that from my studio and, and into virtual space using you know, things like going and, and scanning physical sites and then me I, either scanning physical objects that I've made or me creating objects within virtual space that I can then almost have a site-specific installation, but a digital site-specific installation. And in places where I could never put things normally, you know, conservation areas within towns or at scales that I could never put them. You know, something, I, I can create something in virtual space that's four times the size of my studio and kind of have it hovering over a town centre. 
that I, like that could never happen in in real world but you can yeah. you can kind of still have that experience of being in that time center looking up at this thing that's hovering over you and and just something that wouldn't be possible say kind of physically and, and structurally so yeah it's taken my um, my thinking in a completely different direction from where I was going before, which was very much physically rooted. And what about for yourself, Nettie? Um, I think for me, not so much from a, a same aspect as Lynn, but from a 360 filming point of view, it's not anything I've put into practice, but because of the location that we live in and the work that we do around where we live, I'm interested in that part of it, but <laughs> I've not done anything with it. It's one of those little nuggets that's floating around. (laughs) (laughs) To have the time. But to be involved in this project where you're getting that um, insight into the technology and how fast it moves, that is just this huge, huge benefit from a personal point of view, from a practice point of view that, you know, is phenomenal, as well as them seeing how other people are using it and adapting it and just it's a huge learning curve for everybody. but speaking of learning curves, there are all kind of educational impacts on what you've been doing. Very true. Yes. Is that is that a part? That's a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teeing you up, Nettie. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so from a personal practice point of view, as that aspect, but from a, a work point of view, so the work I do at the college at UHI um, in Stornoway, so Lewes Castle College, is developing. Oh, God, this is a really long conversation. But basically developing a training package platform that Steve's written, Carol is working on too, and it's the college in collaboration with Applied Arts and accrediting it within a professional developer award framework as a module. So the Innovation in Craft module, that's a really long-winded way of telling you that. (laughs) The Innovation in Craft module basically is one that we've taken and gone, right, we could actually apply all of that um, experience that we've developed through the distance one and distance two and then condense it in a way that is easy for people to work through. I'm saying this because I haven't condensed it, Steve. (laughs) 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 That people can work through in a self-directed way and go, ah, this is what this is about. But what's been really interesting is that I thought People would bite our hands off for that. That's probably not the right phrase to have on this, but but would be really, really keen and we'd be having to kind of really structure how we accepted people onto that module. But because it's not so much in the main form of discussion yet, I think, and we take for granted that it is because we're immersed in it, for want of a better phrase, but we are, we kind of think, well, uh, everybody must know about this and must know how amazing this is. But actually, when you think of the cohorts we've been working with, it's under 20 so nobody is aware of how amazing it is until you go well have you thought about doing this module because this is amazing and look at these links and this is what you can do and then people have gone oh yeah okay and you know so steve you do have students that's also part of the reason for doing the projects as well is to develop those case studies and those kind of use you know, kind of be able to demonstrate the ways with which you can work it and really kind of demystify and, and take away the scariness, I guess, that some folk might have for technology. Yeah. And the best advocates for that are the are the participants, you know. Um, there's a few that have gone through the process and I've been blown away with what they've been able to create, you know. 
way beyond anything that I thought would be achievable. I think as well, just kind of the terminology that's used in um, hmm. IVR or immersive tech, it is that unknown element of it. So when people hear it, their mind's going to go into so many different locations. All of them might be correct, but none of them might be linked to what they actually envision it to be. So when you say something, oh, well, you could do this, and it's involving immersive reality, and you get a set of goggles, people are kind of like, oh, you know, what you are talking about? <laughs> 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 to do craft practice business. <laughs> I think that's that's you know the biggest leap that makers have to make because we're so used to the tactile. You know, we're we're that's what excites us is the the touch of a a cloth or for me the clay in your hands and so it's such a leap to be able to say well you know not only am I working in a new way but I'm working in a way a way that's not even real and I think that's that's one of the the things that really takes a lot of getting your head around you know I I've, I've definitely been sort of going back to that sort of you know how it's affected our own practice I'm still really wrestling with how I will and can use it um, I, I make ceramics and so I'm very limited to the size of my kiln. But I have been thinking about, you know, could I create pieces that are just, you know, a bit like Lynn, enormous, you know, sculptural pieces that people can walk around and climb inside. And I mean, that's just mind boggling. And yeah. <laughs> but also I need to, again, like Nettie, I need to work out what photogrammetry is. I've I've invested in the expensive phone to let me try it, but I wouldn't <laughs> say I've mastered it in any way yet. So it's a it's a long-term investment, I think, to really, really get inside this. And I think what we're offering all of the participants on distance is a chance to work out whether it's for them or not. We did ask a question at the last workshop as to whether you, you would go ahead and continue. And that, it was fascinating how many people said, maybe yes, maybe no, I haven't quite decided yet. I'm still trying to work out you know, if I can really invest my time and my thinking in such a new way of working. Um, yeah. So I think that's what, you know, as Applied Arts Scotland, as a, an intermediary, we're really able to offer makers as a chance to test something with a guide, with Steve to hold your hand so that you can you don't get entirely lost. But we've given them a chance to try a whole new world and see if they see if they like it, you know. So, you know, it sounds like also you guys have kind of set up a really interesting and positive kind of like collaborative project, you know, obviously with Steve, you know, being on board. And what are the kind of future kind of steps for the distance project? Was it kind of this kind of isolated pilot scheme or do you kind of think, right, we want to keep kind of rolling this out, offering more opportunities to people in the kind of making and craft community. Oh, Lynn, are you going to? Well, I think every 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 time we run this project, we end up generating about five ideas for every one that we went in with. And we kind of, we kind of started off with distance phase one, which was a, a kind of a small scale pilot study that was localized around the southeast of Scotland, and we've now rolled it out to phase three, which is the one that's just completing with a bigger number of makers across Scotland a longer period of time. We've said already that we, we would love to take this internationally. We've already kind of rolled it out into educational environments. We really want to think about how we can um, start to think about that hybrid interface as well between the digital 
kind of physical, how do we support makers to have some of those kind of educational, uh, not educational, kind of exhibition or some kind of product display opportunities out of that. And that will ideally be one of the next phases of this project. But but yeah, we have we've had kind of distance phase one, phase two, phase three A through to F. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of thinking through already about phase seven. <laughs> so it's just like it grows it grows arms and legs. But it's, yeah. it's always about us kind of just really pulling it back into that core of what do our making community want. So it is it is about it's not just about us and our own organisation, but it's actually about what what do the makers want, how do they want to use it, what is the best way that we can support them to explore that and share that information. And I think in a nutshell, Steve isn't allowed to escape. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, he's locked in. <laughs> well for for me the the international collaboration just seems so exciting. You know, the fact that you've got you know, di- different cultures coming together as as well as the different makers. And I, I would love to see that. Um, you know, come, and come and speak to us in another week and we might have some, new, <laughs> hopefully, some positive news about that. Fantastic. Yes. It's very close. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I hope that kind of goes well. You know, it seems, it seems like obviously there's still like a lot of, there's actually a need for this kind of like, I don't want to say a newfound kind of technology. But I guess in like it kind of seems like you know for just speaking with you all, it seems like um, Cal, um, Lynn, and Natty. Would you kind of think say like to other kind of practitioners in the like kind of create creative scene and arts? Would you kind of advocate using this kind of technology moving forward? I'd definitely yeah. try it. Yeah, definitely yeah, try it. And yeah, and just because you just it's in the first instance, it gives you a platform just to play. And I think that's one of the things we've definitely come across is it gives you, for the participants of the project and for us, let's face it, it's given us permission to play in a, an environment that we've not experienced before. And when you do that as a creative person, you develop ideas and that feeds into your work. Um, and then it is whether or not somebody can see the potential of it as a tool for themselves in their practice, I think is the bottom line of it. Um, but that only happens if you try it. Not that I'm an advocate for selling quest to goggles I think what's really interesting is you know VR is still quite clunky for want of a better word you know the headsets the hand controllers you know it still doesn't feel as intuitive as it should um, but every year it gets better you know, um, and within, you know, five, ten years, um, a VR headset is going to be as simple as, a, you know, just like a normal pair of, of specs. And you, you're not going to be using hand controllers. You're going to be using your hands or potentially gloves that gives you that kind of haptic force feedback. So you will be able to feel textures and surfaces. And um, it's eventually it's going to be ingrained as, having a smartphone, you know, and, um, you know, the terminology of, of metaverse is basically just that blending of these sort of virtual worlds and the next level of internet, you know, we're, we're so used to picking up our phone, you know, being able to travel, book hotels, live our lives via our smartphone. Um, and, you know, the, the metaverse is just going to be the extension, the next level of that. 
um, and it will become kind of just ingrained in our everyday lives. And I don't think any of us ever expect that that will fully replace the kind of physical hands-on craft experience, at least certainly not in the short to medium term. You know, if it does, it's probably going to be well beyond our, our lifespans. But it is, you know, the, the immersive environment offers other different audiences a chance to engage with a craft experience as much as it does allow the craft practitioners to think about how they make in, in different ways. And particularly at a time when you think about, you know, the way that craft education's gone within the kind of um, further and higher education sector within the UK, certainly, at least, um, there's less and less opportunities for students to learn these really hands-on skills and for other adults to have exposure to them, or children even. It's not just second, it's not just further from higher education, it's all the way through schools just now. But potentially they might be able to have these experiences within a virtual environment that then kind of acts as a hook for them to then think about going out and exploring it through a more hands-on route. So it's another way that folk can kind of get interested in craft who perhaps don't think of themselves as being interested in it, but do consider themselves to be much more digitally oriented. And I think just to, to sort of add to that, that I think there's a really interesting sort of blended approach to storytelling that virtual reality offers. So that, you know, if we go back to the sustainability story, you know, if you're showing someone, you know, how you work with cotton or linen, what you can also do is transport them to the fields of Brazil where that cotton is grown and you can introduce them to the farmers that are are growing it and make sure it's being done in a sustainable fashion. Or, you know, I think there's just some really interesting hybrid ways of working that give us a more rounded picture of what making is. You know, I think we've we've seen virtual reality be used by theatre companies and, you know, when particularly through lockdown, when people just couldn't be in a space together then very quickly the creativity got to work and virtual reality was employed in an audience engagement way. So I think it's really important that craft is in the mix, is running with the crowd of creativity and making sure that we're not left behind, that we're thinking, you know, we're forward planning and we're thinking about ways to harness this technology in the way that we used to really wonder what we would do with a computer. You know, it's it's just a, a question of, of time and and evolution, but we need to be in there, in it to win it, I think, is the phrase. Oh, yeah, I think it definitely is that kind of like, I think, you know, um, I, I'm I'm probably like the tech person for my kind of mother-in-law and I was kind of just t- telling her beforehand, like last week, I'm going to have these conversations and it just went right over her head and she was like, nope, that's enough, <laughs> I don't need to, you know, that's too much for me. And I think like, you know, I definitely see with the younger generations, those young, like young kids I work with in my day job, how much they're just so in tuned with like technology and they just kind of speak and rattle off all these things. And I'm just like, oh, okay, like nodding my head like I know what they're talking about, but I don't. <laughs> So, like, I think it's something like VR, like, I'm still a novice, but I'm definitely interested in this, like, you know, exploring that for myself. I think, like, this is obviously the way forward in terms of actually collaborations, project works, and kind of, like, networking, you know, with other people in a kind of, like, creative kind of community. But um, but before we kind of go, um, give give yourselves an opportunity just for the listeners to let people know um, where they can kind of find you all and follow you guys on social media, online, websites, all that stuff. So you can find our website at www.appliedartscotland.org.uk. 
www.ghostbusiness.uk. Um, that covers lots of our different activities, but within that you can find information about projects. There is a page set up for the, the distance project, and that's where we'll be um, showcasing the recordings from the event that's taking place in, in February of this year. 2022 just in case you listen to this at some point in the future and, um, <laughs> and you can also find us on twitter and instagram um at either applied arts scotland or applied arts and steve where can we find you no, don't um, tell them that because we want them to <laughs> <laughs> keep them to yourself. Secret Steve, yeah. Steve can only be found through applied arts <laughs> <laughs> No, you can you can find me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I did I, I changed my handle recently, so what am I? I am I'm just at Steve underscore Colmer. C-O-L-M-E-R. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. You know, I really enjoyed this kind of conversation with the kind of project management team for the Distance Project. So thank you very much, guys, for coming on the Create Me podcast and making this a very interesting episode. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for having us. It's been a thank delight. You. Yeah. Likewise. We look forward to having you on our next phase of the Distance Project because you're obviously hooked like we are now. So yeah. Come join us. <laughs> it's a good way to hook me in. Absolutely. I'm there for it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So that concludes part one in the series of special conversations in partnership with the Applied Arts Scotland team. I want to thank Cal, Lynn, Nettie and Steve for getting involved in today's episode. I really appreciate the time to sit down and reflect on you know the development process of something in a really interesting kind of um, thing like you know immersive technologies and like you know and how from like going from the craft community and engaging with that kind of technology how that's influenced you know their practices and yeah you know moving forward got some really interesting conversations with um, participants who were involved in the distance project and we kind of delve a bit further into the motivations for getting involved in the distance project but also how the project has influenced them their creative practices as well and yeah, you know, if you guys, you know, want to support Create Me Podcast in any way possible, you know, tags and reshares and tweets on social media is all much appreciated. You can always kind of buy us a Ko-Fi online and support us via Big Up The Dean. All links to that are in the episode description. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. All right, take care for now.